Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? Today, we're privileged to finish up our conversation with my friend and guest, Joy Dombrow. In this episode, we'll explore the reasons why it's a good idea to have your kids do some age-appropriate chores, hear Joy's top three things that we should all be teaching our children, and discuss why it's a great idea to write out your parenting goals. This is episode 25. Here we go. Well, thank you listeners for joining us again for another week of Sunday Afternoon Mama. I am really excited for you to hear the second half of my conversation with Joy. So just to recap really briefly, Last week on episode 24, we talked about the difference between high expectations for our kids and raising the bar in a healthy versus an unhealthy way. So I feel like that was a really important distinction to make just because you can kind of swing to either extreme with parenting. You can be like so, so off the charts, like have such a high expectation that it's completely unrealistic and not doable for, for your children. Or you can have such a low bar that it's like they don't really have to do anything. There's no expectation. There's no boundaries. So we need to land somewhere in the middle. There's a great point you can reach that's really healthy and really good. So last week too, we also made the case for teaching good manners to our kids and why it's a good idea to not rely on shortcuts in parenting. You know, all of the technology we have at our fingertips. So last week we left off right at the question, you know, if we were to raise the bar with screen time, what do you think it would look like for little ones versus teenagers? So that's where we're going to jump right back into my conversation with Joy. Yeah, so this leads me to the question for you, Joy. If we were to kind of raise the bar with screen time, what do you think that would look like for little ones and then kind of teenagers, like just those, if you generally group kids into like younger years versus older years? Sure. Yeah, it's an interesting, you know, social science because not many generations before us have had to walk this way before. And I'm sure the research will come out, you know, 10 years from now that we've warped all our children with these screens. But um, (laughs) it's hard when you're the first generation to kind of go through all of this. But um, when it comes to little ones, um, you know, the first five years of a child's life are the most important developmental years for their brain. Their brain is growing more than ever. Um, they need to have those opportunities for play. They need to have those opportunities for vocabulary building and language development. And um, so I really think that if a child is under two, they shouldn't be on a screen. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal yep. opinion. And I think even the um, American Academy of Pediatrics has has said that as well. Um, but then from about age two to five in our family, we allowed very limited quality screen time. So remember, this is a season of your life where you can c- actually control it. Right. right? That be of love. You can actually control it. Yes. Um, so we did about an hour a day um, for something like Sesame Street. Right. right. So yep. quality programming and education, um, about an hour a day. And I saved that hour for like the four o'clock to five o'clock hour when (laughs) they're falling apart and I'm trying to get dinner on the table, um, before dad comes home. Um, so that's what we did. But then when they entered school, we, um, did no screen time at all on weekdays. Yeah. Yeah. On weekdays. So if it was a school night, none at all, because what we found is that they would 
rush through their homework, you know, <laughs> yes. and not do a very good job just to get to their screen time, or they would lose track of how tired they were yes. because they, um, the TV or the screen kept them up. And so we just said no screen time. And then on the weekends, we'd give them an hour for Saturday and Sunday. Um, and it was a constant battle and we made exceptions. Like if it was a family show that right. we were going to watch together, we were going to go to the movies. That was an exception. Um, but it was worth the fight. I feel like, yeah. um, then it got really hard Yes, <laughs> when, the, when the kids became teenagers and they needed phones to communicate to us. Um, but the only phones that were out there were smartphones. Um, then that's when the battle really kind of took place and it came, became much harder. And we went through every season of limitation, right? So yep. we at first said everyone has to plug in their phone in one spot downstairs by 9 p.m. And that includes mom and dad, right? right. So we all plug in our phones. Um, but then, and we said no phones in their rooms. Um, but then as they got older, they started using their phone for everything, like their alarm clock right. and their music while they're doing their homework. And to text a friend about their math, um, those kinds of things. And we started to relax those rules, but we did put on some restrictions with an app that allowed us to turn on and off their phone um, from our phone. Remotely. Oh, awesome. So we had, yeah, we had full control. Like if they got grounded from their phone, we could turn off all their apps and they could still use the phone to like call us. Mm -hmm. Um and we had limits of when it would turn off during the weekdays and on the weekends. And there's permission things where um, they had to ask permission to download an app. Um, it controlled what music they had on their phones. It was fabulous. That's um, awesome. But now that my son is 18 and he's an adult, he's got to learn how to monitor his own um, phone usage and screen time usage. And so now we're, we've become more of a coach to him mm -hmm. instead of a policeman mm -hmm. and uh, helping him walk through how he's spending his time and what he's doing. So we've relaxed a lot of those restrictions along the way, but I'll tell you, it is, it is a fight for sure. Yeah. I love how you said that just now about a coach versus policeman. And that's perfect because a coach would be kind of in that role where they're going to still have a high expectation and push you to do your best, but they can't like throw you in jail, you know, like they can't um, right. enforce a consequence that's too extreme at that point. Because like you said, the, the goal is to teach them enough, give them all the tools they need. And then there's that point where they are responsible for their own choices and fully responsible. And so they will learn how to rise and fall with those decisions, which is probably as I imagine, because I'm not in that stage yet, but I imagine that's hard to watch, but also kind of good because you're like, well, I did. <laughs> I did prepare them. I did these things. I laid the foundation. And then you can just be, I don't know, keeping them, yeah. keeping them in prayer and just watching them learn to be sensitive to their own conscience. So I don't know. Uh, exactly. To be sensitive to their own conscience is a good way to put it. We do have two expectations yeah. for the phone, though. Even now, yeah. even as an H, because we pay, we pay for them, right? Yeah. One, there will be no garbage on it. Yes. Right? I'm not going to pay to have garbage music, yep. garbage, you know, pornography, garbage, um, text going on that we're not paying for that. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so that is an expectation, which leads to our second expectation is that anybody in our family can look at anybody's phone 
at any time. Oh, that is so, so good. Can check. Yep. The kids can check our phone. We can check their phone. All we have to do is go up to them. Now we don't know their passwords all the time, but we can go up to them and say, okay, I'm going to check your phone. What's your password or enter your password. And then we, you know, check through everything um, as we feel is appropriate. And if we find any of that garbage stuff, then they're not using it responsibly and we're not paying for that. So those are our two expectations right now. That is so good. I yeah. That reminds me of, I love to listen to Dave Ramsey and he does that whole, like the Dave Ramsey show about finances. And he always says like, I won't fund he kind of jokes, but he's like, I won't fund your stupidity. Or he has a really funny way he yeah. says it. Like, I'm not going to pay <laughs> you know, for my no, kids yeah. to do things that are going to hurt themselves. He's way funnier than I am when he says it. But that's just that's just so good, especially when you're still, you know, in charge of that aspect of the phone. It's like, yep, this is the yep, this is what it's going to be. So I love that. Let's move on exactly. to raising the bar for helping at home. Again, another thing I see mm-hmm. tragically that a lot of parents don't capitalize on this opportunity while the kids are under their own roof to teach them some healthy responsibility, <laughs> you know? So uh, how can yes. how can we give age-appropriate levels of responsibility for our kids in the realm of helping at home and the realm of chores, you know what I mean? What are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think um, what we did is three things. The first thing that we did is we established a team mentality in our home. Mm. We gave them the why. We gave them the why behind it. In other words, we do these things because we are all on the same team. We're the Dombrow team. Yeah. And we each have to do our part to help out, right? Yeah. So- all right, Dombrow team, time to pick up the house or Dombrow team, have you done your chore today? So it's an expectation that we're all in this together and we're all going to help out. Mm. Then secondly, we establish routines. Yes. I think routine, kids just need routines. They need the structure. They need to know uh, what's expected of them. They need to, um, so much of their life is outside of their control that for them to know what's coming is just polite, right? Yes. So having these routines, um, it makes chores predictable and it takes the fight out of expectations. It's like, it's just like brushing your teeth or it's just like, I mean, we're just, it's something we do. We're not even going to debate it. It's <laughs> yes. just a part of our routine, right? Yes. Um, and over time, it helps it to become automatic, whatever that is, it, them emptying the dishwasher or taking out the trash over time, it becomes automatic. And then um, lastly, and I've mentioned this before, but just knowing what's age appropriate. Mm. And usually it's more than what you thought. They yes. can do more than what you think they can do. I remember one time I was super sick and I think the kids were like three and six years old and um, I had pneumonia or something and I could not even get out of bed and I was sick for like a week. And I'm like, how am I going to manage this? And up until that point, my kids hadn't really helped much with the laundry. They helped me fold some socks and that kind of thing. But I sat on my bed and I could see the washer and dryer and I said, <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you guys what to do. Now go get your laundry. Now sort it and, and now put it in the washing machine. Okay. Now move it over to the dryer. And I told them, <laughs> and they ended up doing all of our laundry at three and six years old. Oh, and that's awesome. Yeah, it just took me being on my deathbed right. to realize that they were capable, <laughs> right? Yep. But I often think about what kids used to do when they lived on the family farm, right? All the things that they were expected to do. And today we just 
think our kids are so much weaker, I guess, yes. than kids of old. Um, but just being aware that they probably can do more than what they, we think they can do. Yeah. And I think, honestly, um, kids back then, they had meaningful work. Like they knew their parents needed their help to go get the eggs from the chickens and to go milk the cow. They, they knew that their work was important. Mm -hmm. And now sometimes I remember feeling like I had to make up stuff for my kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't have a big yard and we don't, you know, have to go milk a cow and we don't have to (laughs) go get water and all this stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I should probably make up something for you to do. And they can tell whether it's really helpful around the house Mm -hmm. or not, you know? Yeah, that's so good. I know we kind of do, I call them just morning jobs and after school jobs. And so basically the kids, my daughters, not my son, obviously he's too little, but five-year-old, she's almost six, but five-year-old and seven-year-old, they have some basic jobs that are literally like make the bed, but it's just it just technically means pull up your covers and straighten your toys. Yes. You know, like it's very, <laughs> very doable. All you have to yes. do is just set an expectation and encourage them and cheer them on because they love, like you said, once you have that team mentality, it's like they like contributing to the good of the family. So it's like keeping their room decently tidy, not perfect, but, you know, picking things up and doing their morning jobs, getting out the cereal, you know, doing what they can do contributes to the like to the benefit of the whole family. I don't know. And then ap- yeah. after school, same thing, like you said about a routine, we kind of get the little reading homework or little any little things they need to do because they are so young that they don't usually have much to work on at home. But they do that after school. But right when they come in the door, they don't just dump all their stuff and go, I don't know, raid mm. like raid the kitchen for snacks. <laughs> like we yeah. we put their, have them put their shoes, their coats, their backpacks away and put a pile of papers, whatever papers I need to sign or see on the counter and then they get a snack. Do you know what I mean? So it's like just those basics that are like, they do make a huge impact on your sanity and your, you know, ability to just be calm and have a calm, fun home, you know? So yeah, that is so good. Here's a basic rule that I did with my own kids and I do as a second grade teacher. Uh Never do for a kid something that they can do for themselves. Oh, that's good. You not hanging up their coat for them right? Yep. Allows them to take responsibility for that. If they can tie their shoe, let them tie their shoe. If they can get their own cereal bowl, let them get their own cereal bowl. If they can do it for themselves, you shouldn't be doing it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. So I was going to ask you too, since you have older kids, this is so fun because you've got, you're at a different stage than I'm at. Um, what is the kind of healthy fruit or outcome of teaching our kids to help out around the house or help the family when they're young? Like, have you seen that as it's played out in your kids now that they're older? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the no part is, you know, when they're teenagers, they, because you're releasing control, yes. <laughs> um, there's going to be seasons of messy rooms. Yes. And honestly, if I can just shut the door, yes. <laughs> if that's how they want to live, they need to take ownership of that. Yes. But, um, but on the other hand, they are, they don't complain when we ask them to help with something. Um, oftentimes when they see something that needs to be done, they'll just take the initiative to do it. And because we've had high expectations for them when it comes to their character, when it comes to responsibility, they are really fun to be with. Like people say, oh, the, you know, the teens and 
it's going to be rough when you have a teenager and people warn you about that. It doesn't have to be that way. I love having teenagers. Yes. And, and I think that was because of all the hard work that was put in when they were little. It's so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. I love hearing that. That just makes me so happy to hear that. What are the kind of top three things you could share with us as just those super important things to teach our kids, to instill in our kids now when they're young? Mm, oh, okay. This is, this is good. Um, I think the first thing is for them to be a first time good listener. Mm. We use that phrase a lot in our home or we did, especially when they were young, but like you said, learning to immediately um, do what is asked of you for your safety, for respect, for authority. Um, if you have a child who's not a first time good listener when they're young, what's going to happen when the police officer pulls them over, mm -hmm. right? Or what's going to happen when uh, the professor um, asks them to do a certain assignment? Yeah. Um, learning to be respectful of the authorities that God has placed in our lives is of utmost importance. And so for them to respect your word and for them to listen, mm. it smooths the path for so many other things. Then you can ask them to take out the trash and they will. Then you can ask them to be polite and they will, right? Mm -hmm. But to expect to expect that every time you ask them to do something, they will do it on the first time. And that takes a lot of training. I get that and a lot of hard work, but I think it's super important that we establish that for our kids. The second thing that I think is important to teach our kids is self-control hmm, and yeah. delayed gratification. There are huge studies that show that if a child is self-controlled when they're young, that they are much more successful in their life, in their career. They make more money. Uh, later on, they get better jobs. They have healthy families. That self-control is important life skill. And then lastly, I think it's important to teach our kids to understand feelings, to know um, what, to be able to label emotions, to be able to recognize them in themselves, because then they can have empathy and begin to recognize them in others. If they can't recognize them in themselves, then they don't have the same kind of empathy. So they're not going to have manners. They're not going to show respect. They're not going to pick up after themselves out of respect for the people that live with them. So understanding their own feelings and um, emotions is, I think, a third really important thing that we need to teach our kids. Yeah, that's so good. Could you give us, and this is actually just me asking kind of for myself too, but could you give sure. just maybe some ways to do that first time listening, like how to teach that, how to reinforce that? Because I feel like that's probably a weak point. I think for a lot of us, it's just as, I think because you have to be probably so persistent in that goal <laughs> that it's easy, yeah. it's easy to get discouraged and settle for less. So like, how would you say what's a way that we can do that a little bit better? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I'll tell you a couple things not to do first. Okay. <laughs> um, one, the counting thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> that doesn't lead to first time good listening. So removing that, because if you tell them once and then you have to start counting down, they realize they don't have to do what you say until you get to one, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Or get to whatever number you're going for. Um, I think the other thing is to be super consistent. It's going to take a couple of weeks to instill it. But the thing is, is if if they push and you 
are firm uh-huh. in your boundary in this 10 times. All it takes is for the 11th time for you not to have that boundary. Yeah. And all that hard work is undone. Yeah. So, right. All they learn is if I just persist and I persist and I persist and I persist to time number 11, then I'm going to get my way. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to have to listen. So being very consistent is, is important on that. But some of the things that I would do, one, just praising them when they are first time good listeners so Mm. that they know the expectation. The other thing I would do is play games. We're going to play a game. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to, you go pretend like you're playing in your room and I'm going to give you a direction and I'm going to see how quickly you can do it. Yeah. So practicing it in a fun way um, and then reminding them of that game when you're in a certain situation. Do you remember how well you did right in this particular game. And now I need you to be that same kind of good listener. Um, Another thing that I find is kind of miraculous and it works when I teach as well, that if I give a child an instruction, I ask for their positive affirmation. So I say, like with my own kids, I would give them direction, like um, you need to go brush your teeth. And then I'd wait for them to say, yes, mommy. Yeah. And if they didn't, I'd say, yes, mommy. And I noticed that if they heard themselves give the verbal assent, it was like as good as done. Yeah. Um, so even with my second graders, I'll say, yes, Miss Dombrow. Yes, Miss Dombrow. And then they'll go do it. They don't fight it after that. So um, expecting that agreement leads to that first time good listening. So those are just, and then reward charts, you know, if you're trying to be positive about things like, you know, if you can be a first time good listener all week, you get a star or whatever, you get some kind of treat. But I think it's worth doing because it's such an important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am completely inspired to do a much better job on this and raise the bar in my own parenting because that is the one area, as you were sharing, that I feel like, ooh, it's a little weak. I think we can do better. I think we can do it. So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage people listening to to, to not give up like a you can always start fresh, right? Every day is a new beginning. And if, if you need to kind of reset some family norms that have been not so great, you can you can do it, you know? Yeah. So if we were kind of to sum up these things we've been talking about, we always try to do a few tips and a takeaway. So I, I hope you've gotten way more than this, um, but I'm just going to boil it down to like a few. So sure. the first thing we've been kind of talking about throughout this whole time is to model the behavior you want to see, especially when it comes to things like screens, right? And manners. Mm -hmm. Like obviously a parent Mm -hmm. can't teach good manners if we don't have them. (laughs) And and then the things you just shared. So teach first time good listening, have self-control, how to have self-control, delayed gratification, like you said, and then to understand feelings. I love those tips. And then lastly, to make sure to encourage and praise our kids when they make progress and they do the right thing and they're excelling and they're rising to that level, you know, that we've set. It's so good. Absolutely. So we are going to transition to the little segment we call my favorite things and just, um, Joy, I would love to hear like your favorite things right now, maybe just a few that you are loving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think in light of our conversation about 
screen time, one of my favorite things has been um, an app called Parent Kit. And that was the app that I was referring to where I could turn the kids' screens on or off. And honestly, I think that it could be helpful, not just for teenagers, but school-age children, whatever. We can turn off their iPads. They don't have access to it past a certain time. Um, I was looking on the iTunes app store Uh that there's another couple of good ones that I saw. One's called Parental Control, Uh and another one is called Kids Locks. So I suppose if I was at that season right now, I'd probably look into one of those too. So that's that's one of my favorite things. Um, Another of my favorite things, I too have had a sinus infection. And so the neti pot. Uh, The neti pot is just been golden for me. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a must if you have a sinus infection, right? Yes. Um, so those have been some of my favorite things this week. <laughs> I love it. So a couple <laughs> a couple of my favorite things are right now are learning to be more spontaneous because I'm the type of person who I love I love my planner. I love <laughs> just being knowing what's coming and kind of mapping out the week, but I'm just steadily learning how to embrace the fun of just getting together with friends or whoever, like neighbors or whatever it is, a little more spontaneously, which is kind of a big deal for me. So this is good. <laughs> um, and I'm also loving a different app called the Later app. And it's where you can post to Instagram. You just kind of prepare your posts ahead of time. So you're not kind of scrambling the day of that of like figuring out your caption or what you want to say or whatever. So that is a lifesaver. And that's recommended to me by my friend, Ostie Eckley, who was on episodes six and seven when we talked about true beauty. So thank you, Ostie, because that's been amazing. And then another favorite thing right now, the last one I have is just, I've been going on walks like about once a week with this um, sweet older neighbor of mine. And it's been so good because she's just, she actually is a former teacher as well. So we always have like so much to talk about and she's just, she's so kind and it's just fun to talk with someone in a completely different stage of life than you are. And Mm. I've been really trying to do that. Like I love hanging out with women that are just more experienced, have a lot more life experience. It's just, you can learn a lot. So that's, those are some of some of my favorite things right now. What a treat. What a treat to be able to spend time with her. Good for you. Yeah, it's been fun. So in this next little part, we often do a listener question. And just want to say really quick that if you do have a question you want us to answer on the air, you can just email me at hannah at sundayafternoonmama.com or even send a little Facebook or Instagram message because those are super easy. Or the last option is to leave a voicemail. And that number is one four zero one three seven one mama That's one. 401-371-6262. So for this week, I actually have a question for Joy that I thought, you know, I'm just going to ask because I can. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I get discouraged sometimes just feeling like I can't quite see the end results of, you know, the work that you put in as a parent. Like there's that common expression, the days are long, but the years are short. And that often comes to mind. I know these years, these years where the kids are little will go too quickly. Like just they're going to go so fast. So how can I remember that this is really important work that I'm doing now? It's like really foundational. It's really good, even though sometimes it feels so hard or kind of, I don't know, it's just challenging some days. So did you have any (laughs) wisdom to share with me or for anyone who's feeling that way, you know, right now? Yeah. Well, first of all, it, it does feel hard. 
It is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just think um, in our fast-paced culture that expects instant results, there are few things that we have to um, work at for a long time in yeah. a consistent direction. And this is one of those things. And we're not used to that. We're not used to having to stretch something out over a long period of time and wait for that end result to come to fruition. So I just want to validate that, yes, this this is hard. And and it's really not supposed to be any different than, than <laughs> yeah. how it is now, right? Uh-huh. Um, as much as we want it to be different. But I think what is helpful is to constantly keep that picture in mind of what you want your child to be like as a grown up, mm. to begin with the end in mind, yes. to, to have that vision of what kind of character they're going to have, what kind of uh, man or woman they're going to be. And, and, you know, for anybody who hasn't done this exercise before to even just physically write it out, what are, what's important to me? What, am I striving for? What is the goal? Because if you're running a race and you can't see the finish line, yeah. you can't even envision, you don't even know where the finish line is. You don't know which, what way the course is going to head. It's very discouraging because you don't know even what the target is or what you're shooting for. So I think having that picture in mind and, and then along the way, you can put up quotes on your mirror towards that end. You can put up little reminders to yourself towards that end, little pet talks for yourself. Um, but I think to have that goal makes, makes it a little more bearable. But then also for me, um, praying for my children daily mm-hmm. kind of centers me and it sets my heart in a right frame of mind. And it also elevates the importance of what I'm doing. When I pray about something, then I know that I am seeking wisdom um, from a, a higher place, from, from the Lord, and that he has ordained this work and he, um, this work is important to him. Mm. And therefore, it's, it's important to me, even if it's not important to anybody else, even if it's society, you know, society says, you know, something different about momhood. Yes. um, But to, to pray and to have that center focus and then do exactly what you did. Take your, set your kids up for success. Like don't take them during nap time. Don't take them when they're hungry Uh or whatever, (laughs) but go out into public after you've had a training session on manners uh-huh. and enjoy the compliments that you're going to get from the nurse at the doctor's office, yeah. from the friend, because we do need those points of validation where we can see that even the short term, all that hard work is paid off. So training our kids to a point where they can be successful at the restaurant or successful out in public just as an encouragement. Like it was an encouragement to you. It can be an encouragement to us when, when we see that what we're doing is working. Yeah, I love that so much. That's so, so good. Um, well, we only have one little segment left and then we are wrapping up this episode. I've been like literally so excited that we got to do this today, Joyce. So I'm really, really grateful that you've been here with us. Oh, so fun. Yeah. So the last little segment we have is what I call a bumblebee moment based on my daughter's, uh, my five-year-old daughter's way that she says bumblebee because it just <laughs> cracks me up because she can't quite say it. So I'm just like kind of letting it roll because it's so cute. It's one of those ones that 
it's going to change any day now, but <laughs> it's like so cute. Sure. <laughs> so our kids can be funny and say just the most random things, you know, like just so cute, yeah. just out of the blue. So Joy, you were going to share one of your moments. And if listeners have a Bunglebee moment to share, all you have to do is go to sundayafternoonmama.com and click on share a Bunglebee moment. So it's really obvious. And that'll direct you to a really easy page and just send me your story. So Joy, do you have one for us? Oh, yes. Kids say the cutest thing. And as a second grade teacher, I have quite the list. <laughs> but the other day, one of we were in Carline and one of my second grade students was talking to a kindergartner. And I have no idea why he was so excited. <laughs> but I overheard him saying, I'm so excited. My buns are safe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That made me laugh so hard. And that was my new favorite expression. When I get excited, I am so excited. My buns are shaking. So awesome. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, we are drawing near the end of this episode. So again, I just want to thank you, Joy, for being with us. And could you share um, maybe your email address so that people can get in touch with you if that works? Like if they would like to ask any questions or just say hello. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The best way to do it is to email me um, at jnjdombrow, D-O-M, as in Mary, B as in boy, R-O-W, at gmail.com. Perfect. And you can also check out the show notes for links to the articles we've referenced. And Joy, could you share the name of that app one more time? Sure. Um, So we did Parent Kit, and it's all one word, but when you pull that up, there's going to be several different um, options to choose from. So you can also check out the show notes for links to the articles we've referenced. And Joy, yeah, just one more time. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I loved having this conversation with you. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Be sure to tune in next week. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend or family member so they can check it out too. Good old fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. Come visit sundayafternoonmama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be back with you again next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.